This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The search for clues in the Snowbirds crash. Yesterday's circumstances led to the confluence of all those worst-case scenarios, and it became our, uh, our absolute worst nightmare. Local pilots plan a soaring tribute to the fallen crew member. Commuting during the COVID crisis. They're wearing masks, and yeah, and they're very respectful. Is there enough space for social distancing with more people heading back to work? And what's old is new again in the COVID era. I remember the old days of going to the, the drive-ins, the car hops with my parents and kind of put two and two together. And How we're connecting with the past so we can connect with each other. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. A powerful moment as members of the Sequepmik Nation and hundreds of fellow Kamloops residents hold a drum circle to pay respects to Captain Jennifer Casey. They were at Fulton Airfield just a short distance away from where Casey's snowbird jet crashed on Sunday. Good evening, everyone, and thank you very much for joining us. That's where we'll start tonight as we learn more about that fatal crash. A team of military investigators is now on the ground in Kamloops searching for answers. Our Paul Johnson is live with more on today's developments. Paul. Hey, Chris, uh, before we get into that, a bit of backstory here I think is useful. You know, this was going to be a huge year for the Snowbirds team. This was going to be their 50th anniversary flying the Canada Air Tudor. They were all geared up for that when the air show season was all but canceled because of the pandemic. Even their training got suspended. But then a few weeks ago, they got a call. There was a new mission, do a series of flyovers across the country to comfort the nation. They had almost completed that mission when this happened. The Snowbirds are, are the pride of Canada when it comes to aviation uh, and, and the Canadian forces. I don't think you'll find anybody on an airport anywhere that uh, didn't at one point dream of being a Snowbird. Uh, how they conduct themselves everywhere they go, how they fly their airplanes with such, with such uh, grace and precision. Uh, it's, they're just an example for, for all Canadians and all pilots as well. And the investigation here is getting into full swing. We saw more military personnel arrive here, even a big C-130s. Uh, Hercules aircraft is now involved. It's probably going to be days, if not weeks, before they even have anything preliminary. Here's also what we've been experiencing and watching here. From the air, you get a sense of where the Kamloops neighborhood of Brocklehurst is in relationship to the airport. And you can see this haunting image the wreckage of a snowbird jet where it crashed. Two jets had taken off Sunday, not to perform air show stunts, but only to fly to another airport, making the loss of control, then ejection of the crew at low altitude, even harder to accept. We heard a, a big bang and I thought, my God, they've broken the sound barrier. It was so loud. Dana Hings is the retired nurse who tried to help save Captain Jen Casey and saw the paramedics work on pilot Captain Rich McDougall, 
who'd landed on a rooftop and could be heard asking about the status of Casey. I don't know how he survived. It wasn't his time. My name is Captain Richard McDougall, and I'm from Dieppe, New Brunswick. McDougall is a veteran Air Force pilot who'd only recently made it to the Snowbirds and was excited to be part of the 50th anniversary season when we interviewed the Snowbirds earlier this year. It's very much a special year. For the time being, the Kamloops Airport stands as a visual symbol of the tragedy, from the grounded Snowbirds jets to the ever-growing memorial for Casey. Our mission, first and foremost, is to get out there and connect with Canadians. Jen Casey was a former journalist who started a whole new career when she joined the Air Force, succeeded, and became the spokesperson for the Snowbirds. She wasn't only good at what she did, she loved what she did. It's just being able to fly in these jets, it's something that people um, ask for almost every day on our social media. How do I get a flight? Um, and, and that's part of my job, is hopping in a jet. In Kamloops, Paul Johnson, Global News. And back to Paul live in Kamloops now. We see the memorial to Jen right behind you in that live shot. Paul, yeah. uh, what's next for the snowbirds who are presently grounded uh, there in Kamloops? You know, that's a big question. Um, I think it's safe to assume with this investigation underway, we may have some kind of a preliminary finding soon if they deem it safe and they'll fly these jets back to their base in Moose Jaw. As for the rest of the season, as I was mentioning earlier, because of the pandemic, most of the air shows in North America that they would have been performing at have been canceled. It's also that the longer term component of this investigation might go as long as a year. So I think it's safe to assume we're going to be seeing some downtime with our famous snowbirds for the rest of this year, or must most of it. No doubt. All right. Thanks very much. Paul Johnson reporting in Kamloops for us. Now, of course, part of what makes the snowbirds so impressive is the element of danger in everything they do. And the team has dealt with tragedy before. There have been 10 fatalities involving the team since it began flying back in the early 1970s. The Tudor jets are close to 60 years old, but as Romina Dea reports, those who know the planes say they are safe and reliable. Flying is in his blood. Robert Mitchell, a third-generation military pilot, is a former Snowbirds commander and team lead. I really love that airplane. I loved that airplane when I flew it. It, it was like wearing a, a comfortable pair of jeans. It was such a, a great airplane. Two, three, four, stop now. The Canadian-built Tudor jets, first flown in the 60s, are almost 60 years old. Aging but safe, says Mitchell with conviction. I can say unequivocally I would get in that jet tomorrow. The, the rigor with which they maintain these airplanes truly uh, puts them on the same level as the day they came out of the, out of the factory. The cause of the crash is still under investigation. Before Sunday, seven Snowbirds pilots and one passenger have been killed during flights since 1972. According to government reports, the jets were supposed to be retired in 2010, but the date was extended despite significant concerns. A contract to replace the aging tutors was set to be awarded in 2022. Preliminary estimates, 500 million to 1.5 billion dollars. Safety is 
a huge component of all this. Aviation journalist Mark Miller hopes the snowbirds are not grounded permanently, adding this wasn't an aerobatic incident. It was a routine takeoff. The team has flown tens and thousands and maybe millions of hours since they were formed 50 years ago. And um, they've had only a handful of accidents. They fly in a in a high-risk environment, but they manage that risk. The future of Canada's national pride, unclear. As of now, Operation Inspiration is postponed until further notice, and the entire Snowbirds fleet is on an operational pause. Romina Dea, Global News. And while the Snowbirds are grounded for now, their mission won't be left incomplete. Pilots who are members of the BC General Aviation Association are taking off on a tribute flight they've organized tonight. Our Sarah McDonald is live at Abbotsford Airport. And Sarah, they're calling this Operation Backup Inspiration. That's right, Chris. And something really special is going on here at the Abbotsford Airport. All of these pilots behind me are getting ready for takeoff right now. As you mentioned, to symbolically finish what would have been the last leg of the Snowbirds Operation Inspiration. This mission, as you mentioned, has been coined the Backup Operation Inspiration. This was a very last-minute initiative organized by the BC General Aviation Association in light of yesterday's tragic Snowbirds crash that, of course, killed Captain Jen Casey in Kamloops. These local pilots wanted to do something to honor Captain Jen Casey and to recognize the snowbirds and this tribute will be something most Metro Vancouverites will actually be able to see themselves. 35 pilots and their planes will be taking to the skies for about an hour this evening between 6.30 and 7.30 flying a loop over the Lower Mainland. The connection with um, our local community and um, aviation across Canada is very tight. And so we felt that this was a very good way for us to memorialize and, and know that we stand with them. And we should note these pilots won't be performing any formations like you typically see the snowbirds doing. Safety is of the highest priority here. All of these pilots will be taking off one by one. They will be flying within a safe distance of each other and simply performing that loop over the lower mainland, Chris. So the first pilot is expected to get going here at any minute. And we will be back here live as soon as those engines start running. All right, Sarah, thanks very much for that. It'll be quite a sight in the skies tonight. Provincial health officials reporting two days of new COVID-19 cases in the single digits. We have 16 new cases over the weekend, eight each on Saturday and Sunday, for a total now of 2,444 in B.C. We also saw two more deaths, which means we've now lost 143 people to complications from the virus. Keith Baldry has a breakdown of the numbers and what health officials are saying about the start of phase two easing restrictions tomorrow. For many, the transition brings anticipation, but it also for many brings further apprehension and anxiety as schools and businesses look to open once again. As BC gets ready for phase two of the COVID-19 pandemic to kick off tomorrow, it's clear there's a bit of tension out there. We are still learning the new ways of social, safe social interactions and doing things that we've never had to do before. And that in itself can create anxiety and concern. Still, the numbers are encouraging. Since Saturday, hospitalizations and ICU case numbers remain stable as recovered cases continue to put up the biggest number of all. And new rules are about to take effect for restaurants and pubs as they will be allowed to offer table service again, but with some restrictions including that they can operate at a maximum 50% of capacity. A group can be a maximum of six people, 
and groups and tables must be at least two meters apart. So I've talked to my colleagues across the country. Many of them are, have gone to smaller numbers and are continuing with smaller numbers. We've stuck with uh, our mass gathering at 50. This is a slightly different situation, um, but it just, uh, you know, it, it seemed like a reasonable approach. And one person in every group must provide contact information to be kept on file for 30 days in case someone in the group needs to be tested at some point. As for the new normal, Dr. Henry said she experienced a bit of that this weekend, and it's going to take some getting used to. Even um, me trying it out yesterday had some challenges. I had a small number of friends over, and we sat outside at an appropriate distance from each other. But it was, it was a bit awkward and strange um, and a little bit anxiety-provoking. I'm betting a lot of people did the same thing and felt the same <laughs> way. I know we did, uh, Keith. So, mm -hmm. uh, live in Victoria, of course, today's update included a bit of a glimmer of hope when it comes to care homes, Keith. Yeah, the news has not been good for some time on getting access to long-term care homes. Of course, they've been off limits to every visitor for almost since the pandemic began. Uh, and it didn't look like much prospect uh, going forward that that would change anytime soon. But again, today, Dr. Bonnie Henry says things are being worked on here, and she's hopeful people can start visiting their loved ones relatively soon. Hopeful that it will be some time, maybe in June, um, as we see our numbers decrease, and a lot of it will, of course, depend on our ability to to keep control of this virus in our community and our long-term care homes. So that's the the paramount uh, thing right now. So one of the things being considered, Chris, is having outdoor visits, not meet in the facility, but only have uh, perhaps one member of a family meet with uh, their loved one in the long-term care home, but do it in the courtyard or outside in the parking lot and do it in limited numbers. And it's going to vary from facility to facility. They're all of different sizes and shapes and designs. But uh, that's the best, uh, first good encouraging news for people who find themselves stuck in an extraordinary situation, not visiting, uh, not being able to visit uh, their grandmother, their grandfather, or even their mother or father. Quite extraordinary. Yeah, no doubt. I know it's heartbreaking for, for a lot of people. Keith, thank mm -hmm. you very much. Another area I know Keith is interested in, we all are, and that's barbershops and salons. They are preparing to reopen, many of them, tomorrow amid BC's Phase 2 restart plan. Brothers Barbershop in Victoria can't wait to get back in business. As an example, after being shut down for more than two and a half months, the business laying out the physical distancing tape outside and cleaning chairs inside. The Barbicide COVID-19 certification will be on display there and in other places they choose to open. Evidence of enhanced cleaning and disinfecting of equipment like scissors. Both clients and barbers will have to wear masks, but customers are eager for a cut. It was tough because missing all the clients, they become, clients become like your family. They don't, they're not your clients, they become one big family, you open up so much to each other. I see a lot of you out there with a like, really like, shaggy hair, but we're gonna clean you up as soon as we open tomorrow. Can't wait. Well, it's lights out at a theater popular with moviegoers on the North Shore. North Vancouver's Cineplex Odeon at Park and Tilford closed its doors along with other Cineplex theaters when the pandemic began. But once the restrictions are lifted, the nearly 1,400-seat location on Brooksbank Avenue will not reopen. Brick-and-mortar theaters have been losing audiences to home streaming services for some time now, and they'll continue to face uncertainty with social distancing measures that will be around for the foreseeable future. Pandemic protocols, as we mentioned, move into Phase 2 tomorrow, and more people will be heading back to work. 
what TransLink is doing to make sure you can get there safely on public transit in just over a minute. A major fire and explosion in Los Angeles. The amazing survival of firefighters caught right in the middle of those flames later. And we may still be months from a workable vaccine for COVID-19, but you'll see why the medical world is buzzing about an early human trial. That's coming up as well. Now, as the province enters phase two of reopening, TransLink will be running more SkyTrains and buses as people head back to work. Increased service levels should mean more space on public transit, but as Grace Key reports, some commuters are concerned about social distancing. The sky trains are pretty empty on this May long weekend, but when it comes to the work week, in particular rush hour, passengers are mixed when it comes to social distancing. It does get a little cramped, especially during rush hour, but I try not to hop on trains that are too uh, packed together, you know. Bus is better. It's more, you know, there's a, a part, but sky train, no. Most of the uh, uh, Travelers are very, very responsible in their, in their way of, of dealing with others. Posts on social media from outraged passengers show just how packed it can get on SkyTrains. Unlike buses, there's no closed seating policy and there are no operators to monitor when it gets full. Some of the signage also varies from station to station. And that's leading some passengers to wonder what it'll be like for Tuesday's Phase 2 reopening. I feel like it'd be a little hard to regulate, but having staff on the platforms kind of controlling how many people go in and out of the cars would be pretty good. They're going to put more trains on and they're, they're constantly fixing the thing up, so... I don't see anybody being able to complain, really. A statement reads, TransLink is increasing transit service levels this week to align with the next phase of BC's restart plan. Increased service levels will provide more space on public transit. We're also maintaining our extensive cleaning protocols and will carefully monitor ridership to ensure customer demand is being met. Ridership is expected to be a gradual return that will take place over weeks and months. Grace Key, Global News. Businesses are preparing to reopen with a safety-first attitude, prompting a surge in demand for a product few of us ever talked about before the pandemic. Plexiglass is considered the new gold. The owner of North Shore Plastics says orders for plastic dividers have gone up by 400%. He's had to drastically pivot the business, putting in 18-hour days, seven days a week just to keep up with demand. His phone won't stop ringing as more businesses look to install the safety shields. I guess the businesses are very wide range because it's the grocery store, it's the little mom and pop shop. Everybody has to have a screen to protect the cashiers and the people around them. Um, I've done, you know, medical institute stuff. I've done doctors. Uh, what else? I've done, I've done just a ton of stuff. I mean, it's crazy. And the raw material for plexiglass shields is such a hot commodity, it's in very short supply, with local orders backlogged until mid-June. Up ahead, anxiety on the front lines. We are all scared of getting it. Workers in a long-term care center share some emotional stories of life under lockdown. And blast from the past, the dramatic catastrophe of Mount St. Helens 40 years later. Still dealing with some ongoing COVID-19 restrictions here in Vancouver, where Beach Avenue is blocked to eastbound traffic between Stanley Park and the Burrard Street Bridge. 
At Cremat Collision and Auto Glass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Beach Avenue in downtown Vancouver. With phase two of BC's COVID protocol beginning tomorrow, dentists can now reopen as long as they meet new guidelines from the College of Dental Surgeons. A visit to the dental office will be a lot different, though, and as Brad McLeod reports, one BC dentist believes a distant approach may be the key to rebuilding patient trust in that close contact care. Hi, Farah. Virtual visits have taken off for family doctors, and now dentists are doing checkups and providing prescriptions online. I know you have a broken tooth. Dr. Tarn Dillon co-created P2P Dentist, so his colleagues could keep their practices going after the College of Dental Surgeons of BC limited them to essential in-person procedures only. If you can send me a photo of that too. Farah tried the tech for her abscess. It's awesome. At least we have an answer to my problem. But big news. On Friday, dentists were finally given guidelines to see people in person starting Tuesday. The four dental colleges now saying in-person services must only proceed when the benefits outweigh the risks to the patient, the professional, and the community. Many dentists want to get this relaunch right and rebuild some trust. I think the timing on it was just unfortunate. In early March, dozens of COVID-19 cases were linked to a massive dental conference in Vancouver, and one attendee died from COVID-related illness. At that time, we didn't have uh, strict orders on, on sort of what protocols we should be following. And now there are. For example, N95 masks are only necessary for patients who are suspected of being sick. And if you are allowed in, expect sparse waiting rooms and several questions about your COVID status. Dr. Dillon says it won't be business as usual. He can't bring back four of his dentists due to social distancing requirements. And he hopes the reduced patient load is enough to keep his business going. Yeah, it's uploaded now. Dillon says 70 practices are testing out his P2P program so far. And the dental colleges still suggest virtual visits whenever possible. For a broken tooth. But will this new normal include teeth cleaning? Dylan says his priority, dealing with the backlog of postponed procedures first. Brad McLeod, Global News. Keith Baldry mentioned this just a short time ago in an effort to curb the deadly toll COVID-19 is taking on our seniors. Visitors have been barred from B.C.'s long-term care homes since the first sign of the virus. With nursing homes off-limits for the foreseeable future, frontline workers take the place of family trying to make life under lockdown less lonely. Here's Sonia Diol. Connecting through a phone call, you're doing okay, is the only way Darlene and Diana can communicate with their mother under COVID-19 restrictions. It's been brutal. <laughs> It's just awful. Yeah. I hate not being able to see her. With seniors in long-term care still not being allowed any visits from family, Kimmy? their only real face-to-face -face connection is with those working on the front lines, and that is taking its own emotional toll. We are all scared of getting it. There's a bigger chance that I could be spreading, here, spreading it here at work or at home. As for families waiting to hear when they'll be able to see their loved ones, BC's top doctor says there is some hope for limited visits this summer. It may look slightly differently in different facilities, depending on how, how many people are, there are per room, what type, uh, how large the facility is, and that sort of thing. But I do expect that I'm hopeful that it will be sometime maybe in June. 
Restrictions meant to protect them, leaving seniors feeling more isolated than ever before. I just want to see my kids. That's what most of my residents would tell me. Leaving frontline workers dealing with questions they're just not able to answer. A lot of our residents were asking, um, when will it be over? When are we going to go on bus trips again? Joy and Christina say they're doing everything they can to help their residents get through each day. Oh, you have to hold their hands. Because by touching their hands, they would know that you really care. The Three Links Care Centre hasn't had any cases of COVID-19 so far, but the fact that BC is slowly reopening is making them feel nervous. You're worried that, you know, that eventually there's going to be more people gathering together. No one knows when families will be allowed to hug their loved ones again. For now, the frontline workers are their only connection and the gratitude they feel is immense. Nice. They are the great bunch in this place. Yeah, they're, they're our heroes right now, for sure. Banging pots and pans on the outside while their loved ones sit and wait on the inside. Sonia Deal, Global News. Healthcare heroes. And while they do their work, research puts us a big step closer to a COVID vaccine. Preliminary results from the first test conducted in humans later. Also tonight, a musical tribute to healthcare workers and what it means to be part of a community. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As the Victoria Day evening commute winds down, seeing minimal delays north and south over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Keep in mind there are lane closures between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. At Kermat Collision and Autoglass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermat.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Ridge. Incredible drone video of a fire in downtown Los Angeles. Smoke and fire billowing from the building following an explosion. The fire hot enough to melt the helmets of firefighters, and you can see some of them scrambling down the ladder trying to escape. At least 11 firefighters were injured, some critically. Authorities have launched a criminal investigation now into the cause of the explosion. The building houses a business called Smoke Tokes, a warehouse distributor with supplies for butane hash oil. 49 states in the U.S. have now partially reopened, but as Americans venture back out, there's concern over the size of crowds. In New Jersey, construction sites are back in business, but gyms remain closed as protesters demand the state lift the ban. And in Florida, a full-on flouting of social distancing rules, a block party outside Orlando teeming with 3,000 people. Officials are hoping this won't be the trend as the virus threatens to spread silently among the population. And in a surprise disclosure today, U.S. President Donald Trump says he's taking hydrochloroquine to prevent COVID-19. Trump has pushed the anti-malarial drug as potential treatment for the novel coronavirus, despite a lack of scientific evidence. 
Tonight, stunning news from President Trump revealing he takes the anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine, a controversial medicine that Mr. Trump has touted as a potential treatment for coronavirus, despite limited evidence to back that up and research showing potentially dangerous side effects. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. Hydroxychloroquine? I'm taking it. Hydroxychloroquine. Right now, yeah. But I've heard a lot of good stories. And if it's not good, I'll tell you right, I'm not going to get hurt by it. The president saying he has taken one pill per day for the past week and a half. And while no one recommended he take the drug, Mr. Trump said he did consult with the White House doctor beforehand. I didn't recommend. No, I asked him, what do you think? He said, well, if you'd like it. I said, yeah, I'd like it. I'd like to take it. A lot of people are taking it. A lot of frontline workers are taking hydroxychloroquine. The president says he has no signs of COVID-19 and tests show he is negative. So his rationale for taking it? What do you have to lose? For two months, the president used similar language as he repeatedly hailed hydroxychloroquine as an effective treatment for coronavirus. What the hell do you have to lose? Hydroxychloroquine is is a uh, very powerful drug for certain things, and it's a very successful drug. But clinical trials and research show the drug could pose an increased risk of serious heart problems or even death for certain patients. And multiple large studies in recent weeks have found no benefit from the drug in fighting COVID-19. All of that prompted the Food and Drug Administration to warn last month against using hydroxychloroquine outside of a hospital setting. And most doctors were only using it in extreme cases. Mr. Trump dismissing any potential side effects. Here's my evidence. I get a lot of positive calls about it. So far, I seem to be okay. Tonight, medical officials reiterate the risks. The side effect profile for hydroxychloroquine is pretty well established. It definitely does seem to cause cardiac risks. It can cause incorrect or abnormal rhythms of the heart. Returning now to our top story, the fatal crash of the Canadian Forces Snowbirds jet and a developing story right now, the tribute flight taking to the skies over Abbotsford in mere moments. That's where we find our Sarah McDonald, who's covering the story for us. Sarah, the B.C. General Aviation Association wants to symbolically finish the final leg for the Snowbirds here. That's right, Chris. And that mission, which has been dubbed Backup uh, Operation Inspiration, has just gotten underway. You can likely see behind me right now all three dozen planes and pilots are now taxiing on the runway. They are taking off. They are taking to the skies over the lower mainland. Well, they'll be flying in a big loop for about the next hour tonight over the Fraser Valley and over Metro Vancouver. They'll be taking off one by one and keeping a very safe distance from one another while they are in the air. Uh, they're expected to be in the air for about an hour at this point. They're hoping to coincide with the seven o'clock cheer for healthcare workers. A lot of our viewers will likely be able to hear and see them. So anyone watching this right now, if you hear those engines above your house, it is likely these local pilots that are flying in honor of the snowbirds and in memory of Captain Jen Casey. Uh, Chris, as you said, symbolically completing what would have been the last leg of the snowbirds operation inspiration. So people understand what they're going to see in the air. We're talking about a half mile distance between each one of these planes once they're in flight, correct? 
That's right, Chris. And these pilots have been um, very clear that safety is their number one priority here. They're not going to be flying in any sort of formations like we would typically see the snowbirds doing. They're not trained for that. Uh, so they've been very clear that it's just going to be a loop. It's just, and, and as you said, they'll be keeping a very safe distance from one another uh, just to show their solidarity and their support for the snowbirds, but nothing like we would typically see the snowbirds doing uh, in the skies. We'll leave that to the professionals, obviously, but it's going to be good mm -hmm. for people to see and great timing right around seven o'clock as well. We'll check in and more coverage, obviously, throughout the evening. Sarah McDonald, thank you very much, Sarah. You bet. All right, in health matters tonight, early results from the first potential COVID-19 vaccine to be tested in humans are generating a new wave of optimism. Scientists say there's still a long way to go, but the next step will be a larger human trial this summer. The preliminary results are from the first coronavirus vaccine test conducted in humans. Oh, I was so excited. Jennifer Haller, a 44-year-old mother of two from Seattle, was the first person to get it in March. It's a bright light for everybody in, in this country and, and across the world uh, that, that, that we're seeing success here. Moderna, the Massachusetts biotech company behind it, says the experimental vaccine was safe for all 45 patients ages 18 to 55. Data for eight of those patients indicates they developed antibodies that neutralize the virus, potentially providing some level of immunity. 29-year-old Ian Hayden is another one of the first volunteers. It's encouraging to see news like this, but, you know, you can't jump ahead and assume that we're at the finish line already. Moderna also says a study involving mice showed the vaccine stopped the virus from replicating in their lungs. Now plans to launch a larger human trial in July, putting it ahead of the dozens of other companies racing to develop their own vaccines. Um, if everything goes to plan, that we could have a vaccine by early next year or even by the end of this year. Thank you, Mr. President. Moderna's announcement comes days after one of the company's directors stepped down from the board to head up vaccine development for the White House. These data made me feel even more confident that we will be able to deliver a few hundred million doses of vaccine by the end of 2020. Stocks soared on today's news, but experts caution that while the announcement is positive, it's only a first step. It's the end of the beginning. Now we're going to have to open it up to much larger volunteer studies, and that always takes more time. Moderna says it's investing in manufacturing capacity to be able to produce millions of doses if the next phases of the clinical trial remain on track. Until then, here in New York, the new normal includes circles on the ground in this public park to ensure social distancing. Still ahead in our COVID coverage, thinking outside the bar. It went viral, I couldn't believe it. Happy days for a local pub taking a step back in time to survive the COVID crisis. And in sports, the plans for a return to NHL action get a little clearer. Another B.C. community is using music to help support each other through the pandemic, this time in Sea to Sky country. I will fight. I will fight for you. I always do until my heart is black and blue. The video features a montage of artists from Squamish, Whistler and Pemberton who recorded their parts from home. More than 150 people contributed to the project, sending in videos and photos describing how we'll all get through this together with a special shout out to frontline workers. Great tunes and well done. 
All right, let's check in on uh, Christy Gordon from the Garden on a Victoria Day long weekend. And wow, you nailed it with the sunshine today. Yes, thankfully that sunshine came out because it was a rather wet start to the long weekend. So really nice that it finished off well. And you know, during that transition from the cloud and rain that we saw yesterday, we had a ton of rainbows across the uh, region. So let me show you your photos from last night, everyone. Spectacular ones, especially from the Chilliwack area. Thank you to Emily for this one. You can see some sunshine in the mix with darker clouds. And then yes, that rainbow appears. And look at this one from Chilliwack as well from Martin and another one from the 100 uh, Mile House region and then this one from Maple Ridge with everyone posing in the foreground there. So yes, as we transitioned out of it, it left us with a nice day, but uh, today we are, or tomorrow we're in for a bit of a change, and that does mean a slight risk of a shower tomorrow in most areas, especially through the Fraser Valley. Really, tomorrow's a transition day, so most areas should be dry. It's Wednesday. Temperatures are going to drop. The rain is going to move in, and yes, Wednesday and Thursday look wet and cool, everyone. So tomorrow, again, transition day, slight chance of a shower or a thundershower across these southern regions, still a bit of instability. But for the most part, it's Wednesday that we'll see the big change and Thursday as well. So get ready for the wet weather because it should last through next week. And I'll leave you with your central windows weather window. One last shot of the rainbows out in Chilliwack. Look at that stunning shot from Sunday. Wow, that's amazing. All right, Christy, thanks very much. And I, I know you were just a baby when this next story happened nearly 40 years ago. That's when Mount St. Helens erupted in Washington state. The disaster killed 57 people. In the two months prior to the eruption, there were nearly 3,000 earthquakes recorded at the volcano. A 5.1 earthquake on May 18th burst through the top of the mountain, reducing its height by some 1,300 feet. Ash from the volcano covered parts of 11 states, as well as provinces here in Canada from B.C., All the way to Manitoba, it caused more than a billion dollars in damage 40 years ago. And I know Squire, who joins us now, uh, knows exactly where he was 40 years ago. I was a kid, but I was with some friends at Long Acres Racetrack in Seattle, which is no longer in existence. It was in Renton, just south of Seattle. But I don't remember feeling anything. I just remember seeing it on TV. Uh, More of the bigger U.S. states are beginning to talk about pro sports on the verge of getting the green light. I also have been encouraging major sports teams to plan reopenings. And it's not just New York that's saying that today. So is Texas and so is California. But all three states will not allow fans at games. All right, we'll check in a little bit later for that. Also tonight, reaching back into the past for a new kind of happy hour. What one local pub is doing to get through the pandemic. Now it's time to thank all our BC healthcare heroes on the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic, risking their health and safety to help our province get through this crisis. We've been asking for your nominations for a while now, and tonight's comes from Kelly May. She wanted to recognize five amazing nurses in her family. That's right, five. Her two daughters, Erin and Megan May, two nieces, Rianne Laurie and Ashley McKen, and sister-in-law, Diana Ferguson. Aaron has worked on the medical floor in East Kootenay Regional Hospital in Cranbrook since 2015. Megan's been a nurse for four years and is now working the medical floor at Vernon Jubilee Hospital. Rianne has been a nurse for five years, the last four as a maternity nurse at Kootenay Lake Hospital in Nelson. Ashley is currently working as a 
perioperative nurse in the operating room at East Kootenai Regional Hospital in Cranbrook. And Diana, while retired from her nursing career, has returned to work in a casual role to help where she can during this difficult time. A compassionate and obviously very dedicated family there. Kelly says you are all her health care heroes and we thank you for your hard work and selflessness during these difficult times as well. Thanks very much, you guys. And if you have a healthcare hero you'd like to nominate, send us an email with a few details about why they're your hero and a few pictures to BC Healthcare Heroes. This is the website now, bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. A Prince George business is kicking it old school to keep operating during the pandemic. The Westwood Pub has turned its parking lot into a drive-in, complete with car hops. And as John Watt tells us, even without being able to sell booze, this is a huge hit. The parking lot is packed. The kitchen is barely keeping up. But you can still hear a pin drop inside the Westwood Pub in Prince George. How was everything for you guys? Luckily, management was willing to think outside the bar in its fight to stay in business during the COVID-19 pandemic. I remember the old days of going to the drive-ins, the car hops with my parents and kind of put two and two together and went from there. The Westwood even had custom car trays made with the help of a local manufacturer. So a new car hop service. Here you are, ladies. Coupled with their popular trivia night, now over an FM transmitter. Name the movie where Robert Nero says, I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Seems to be the perfect recipe during this pandemic. It went viral. I couldn't believe it. Uh, we were actually scared for the first night that we were going to do the, the drive-in with the trivia. An interactive dining experience with proper social distancing and a dash of nostalgia. They'll bring the food out on the tray and hook it onto your window just like they did years and years ago. A, a, sort of a gone by day. Uh, and uh, it's really interesting to see. Most of all, it's a throwback to an era when people had time to drive in, not just drive through. This is about more than containing the spread of COVID-19, but slowing down enough to enjoy these rare opportunities to come together. I've never experienced something like this. It's a little bit before my time, so why not? Now is a good a time as any. People have missed being able to go out and do things and go to the bar and hang out with friends. And yeah, it's, it's great. Ironically, this success comes without selling a single pint. The Westwood pub is not allowed to serve alcohol in its parking lot. Obviously, the booze sales aren't there, but uh, the food sales are. and. Uh, we're making a go of it for sure. So while many can't wait for a future without COVID-19, some are looking at the past to keep their business hopes alive in the present. John Hua, Global News. Yeah, it's yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I guess it will look kind of bad if you gave somebody beer while they're behind the wheel. Here, here's your beer. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. Yeah. That's just yeah. it. I, kind of, I was hoping Fonz was going to make an appearance there in that. <laughs> In that piece. All right, uh, lots of sunshine out there. Enjoy the enjoy the sunset, I guess, tonight, Christy. Absolutely. We have had a few thunderstorms in other parts, including Vancouver Island, but things are settling down now. Tomorrow, a transition day, a bit more cloud, but we are going to get cool on Wednesday. Okay, back to you, Chris. All right, thanks, Christy, and thank you, Squire. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Enjoy the flyby, and happy banging. We'll see you tomorrow.